Hey guys, welcome back to the Road to Madness. I'm Mindong. I'm Matthew Bleo. Um, There are currently 203 days until the 2020 college basketball season begins. Yeah, um, the days are going by fast. Uh, we hope we're, you guys are doing safe. Yep, hope everyone's safe and hope everyone's finding something to do during these times. Yeah, uh, let's start off with some high school news, which is also our breaking news. Zaire Wade a three- or four-star recruit and son of former NBA great Dwayne Wade has decided to take another year of high school and will transfer to Brewster Academy for a grad year. Does this mean he will bypass college as well? Um, I think he probably will because we've seen this happen before. And uh, a similar situation to this is Jalen McHugh. Um, he played four years of high school and then he transferred to Brewster for his fifth year, which was his grad year. And then Right from that, he decided to go to the NBA. So I I could see this coming from Zaire Wade. And like as we said last episode, um, a lot of these people are going to the G League and other stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so I think he probably will bypass college. But we'll see what happens next year when that happens. Um, yeah, this is a very strange situation. He's a four-star, but he only has five offers. And those five offers are from North Carolina, A&T, UC Riverside, URI, DePaul, and Nebraska, which is not a not a not the best list of schools for a four star. And yeah. I think he's just doing this to gain more offers, in my opinion. I think he's gonna go to college. He, I don't think he's good enough for the G League, in my opinion. No, I I agree. I mean, like I mean, like we said last episode, we just seen a ton of people do take this route, which we like. If you haven't seen last episode, you should check it out. We went on a very big rant about it, but um. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think he might go that route. But, I mean, like you said, he's definitely trying to get more offers, though. So, mm-hmm. I'll probably make his decision next year. All right, um, next up, uh, Noah Farkinen. Uh He was also a four-star recruit. Uh, he is committed to East Carolina. And East Carolina, not really known for getting a lot of high prospects. And um, I feel like this is kind of a surprise for most people because he had a lot of high major offers – but he decided to take ACU. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think this is the right call? Um, yeah, uh, his stock really fell off after he left IMG Academy to go back home. Um, I'm not surprised, but I, I think he would have been a bench player in a high major, and he's going to have a good starting role at East Carolina. Do you think Do you think they'll have a shot at making the tournament? I, I think so. I think they're a wild card. Um, with his addition and Jaden Gardner, who was their centerpiece the past two years coming back, um, I, I think that, that forms a very good duo. And I think they're going to be a, a dark horse in the American. Yeah, this team this team is very under the radar in the American. When you think of the American, you think about Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, and maybe even UConn. And um, you, you never think about East Carolina because they're usually towards the bottom of the American Conference. And um, – yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a very dark horse team coming in next year, and I think, I think, like you said, he'll de- he definitely would have been a bench player on a high major team, but I guess he just wanted a starting position, and he gets it here at East Carolina. And yeah. I mean, hey, like you said, they're a dark horse, so you never know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, last piece of news: former five-star recruit Kyrie Walker has decided to bypass college and prepare for the. 2021 NBA draft. Uh, he was a former Arizona State commit, but th- decided to decommit and reopen his commitment. He will be training at Chameleon BX in order to prepare for the draft. What are your thoughts on this? Um, he has been getting a lot of hate for this. 
what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the hate bandwagon as well. I'm I'm really shocked by this decision. I mean, first of all, he was committed to Arizona State, and look, look at them now. They have a ton of good prospects coming in. They're probably the front runner for Arizona State. So he could have joined up with them, but he like he decommitted way before this even happened, though. But um, yeah, I mean, this is very. I'm very shocked. I mean, I mean, he's taking a year off. I mean, I understand, but like. He's a he's a very good player. I mean, he's a former five star recruit. He, he he had a ton of offers at one point, but um, I mean his stock just fell. So I mean, I guess this is the this is the right decision for him. But I think he could have also went overseas, and I don't know. I I just don't know why he would take a year off from everything and just train on his own. Yeah. Um. This when he was committed to Arizona State. This was two, three years ago, so this was a long time ago. This is when he was a five-star recruit. Um, coming into the fall, he was actually a high four-star recruit. Now he's, like, not even in the top 200, but just outside the top 200, which is crazy. Um, I'm calling him a bust right now. Um, this decision, I don't, really, I don't really know. I'm not a big fan of it. I've, I've, been, I've never been a fan of Kyrie Walker, but hopefully – this this good for him. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like he's been in high school for at least ten years because it seems like he's been in high school for a very long time. But um, I mean, this is the first news I've heard about him for like a couple of years now since mm-hmm. since his, like his Arizona State decommitment and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully this is the right decision for him. And um, I mean, hopefully something goes well for him in the draft. But I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't put him as a bust right yet. But I definitely see potential for him maybe being a bust. But I won't go there yet. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, we talked about this in the last episode as well, but we're going to touch upon it, like, a bit more into detail. And this is about the scheduling updates and concerns, especially for the um, non-conference games. Um, it's no surprise that the ongoing pandemic has ended the 2019-2020 season and the March Madness tournament. However, the impact of the pandemic has also occurred uh, and created several problems for this upcoming season, the 2020-2021 season. Um, uh, Most of the Power Five conferences, they've extended their conference games uh, during this time, so they will play 20-plus games. Um, The ACC started this last year, but a couple other conferences, such as the Pac-12 and maybe the Big Ten and Big 12 and other very top-heavy conferences might do the same in the months coming forward. and also these Power 5 schools are also scheduling non-conference games with their other Power 5 schools, which we've seen uh, last year. But, however, this does not include some of the tournaments, such as the Big 12 SEC, uh, SEC American, Big 12, Big East, Big 10 ACC, and the uh, Big 10 Big East, and a couple other games as well. But um, this really strikes the concern for non-conference games for the mid-majors. Um, because one, they don't really have the um, money considering financial problems during this time. And two, I mean, all of these conferences are playing each other. So that just leaves the door closed for a lot of these mid-majors. And what, what are your thoughts on the mid-majors getting non-conference schedules? Um, yeah, it's, it's tough for them. Uh, I was actually just reading an article on uh, East Tennessee State coach Steve Forbes and what he said. Um, they're planning to play a couple tournaments um, they have a neutral site game um, with a high major team, which is – he's not saying which team yet. 
He's also having a, a neutral site game with a high mid-major team, and he's also going to um, play in a tournament outside the country. But it's it's tough for the mid-majors, especially when all the Power 5 schools are either scheduling low mid-majors so they can win, which are by games, and uh, Power 5 conferences. So it's tough. It's very yeah. tough for the mid-majors. They're, like, stuck in the middle. And I feel really bad for them because mid-majors is what makes college basketball in my opinion. No, I, I definitely agree. And I like you said, with East Tennessee State, I feel like the Southern Conference kind of gets the most impact, and as well as some other conferences. But, I mean, like we've stated, the Southern, the SoCon, they get, like, a lot of hype, and they have potential to bring two, maybe three teams into the tournament. And another team, Fernham, uh, their coach, Bob Ritchie, Bob Ritchie, said that they currently have zero home non-conference games for next year, which is – very scary because I don't know who they're going to get, but they're definitely going to have to lower their competition. Um, and like you said, I mean, mid-majors, they are kind of the spark of college basketball, especially when the tournament comes around. I mean, we've seen mid-majors make a lot of runs for the past couple of years. Loyola Chicago especially is, is the first thing that comes to my head. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of disappointing to see. And, I mean, I hope I hope they can figure something out because – this would be a shame for the mid-majors to go down like this and have to lower their competition. And, I mean, they might like, not get selected for the tournament because of this stuff. Yeah, it sucks to see all Power 5 schools in March Madness with only at-large bids for mid-majors. Um, I'd, I'd like to see mid-majors go through um, what the Conference USA is doing, which is um, play the first um, 16 games as scheduled. And then those top six teams – um, play each other for the rest of the five games. It's actually a cool thing. It gives more those teams, those teams in the conference, more quad one, quad two opportunities to play in their own conference, which makes their resume look even better. So even though they might be playing the same team four times, even five times at the conference tournament, um, it looks good on their resume since it will go down as a quad two, quad one win. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's a really good idea because one, it brings a lot of viewers and attention because they want to see this rivalry. It's kind of like a rivalry in my opinion. And like, if both of these teams are like good, which, which they are going to be, and that's just like very exciting to see. And I mean, they're basically battling out for the spot in the tournament and that's going to bring a lot of viewers in my opinion. And um, the ACC is kind of doing something similar to that. They have four like rival games and they play um, two at home and two away. And then they also have like, opponents like home and away so it's kind of similar to that but not to the extent of the conference USA and um yeah I mean hopefully some more mid-majors can do that because like for example the SOCON they have like a lot of competition like I said and if they if they like switch to that system then that that would bring a lot of like quad one quad two wins like you said and that would just bring a ton of good competition for them yeah and what's even what do you what I'm a huge fan of is regional games um, New Mexico State and New Mexico are playing each other twice every year, one in each stadium, even though they're not in this, even in the same conference. Um, I think this is a great idea for more mid-majors to host regional games because, one, it's a regional game. It's a rivalry. Everyone loves them. And, two, it, it brings more money and more opportunity for the colleges. Yeah. Sorry. And even in Philadelphia, those the Big Five tournament, um, Villanova, Temple, LaSalle, uh, forget the other teams. 
Penn. I think Penn's Penn, in there. Penn, Penn and St. Joe's. The, yep. They play – all five play each other every year, and it's so fun to watch. Just colleges from the same city play each other. Yeah. I mean, especially during this time of the pandemic, I mean, you, you can't really go that far. And um, I think this is good for a lot of these regional games. And New Mexico, New Mexico State, and even UTEP are a part of that little – trio and um I, I know that they're in like uh, New Mexico State and UTEP are in the same conference but I mean they're still playing each other and it's like local and um yeah I'd, I'd like to see more of these like inner city like matchups because I mean there could be a ton of them and I mean that would bring a lot of viewers I believe and I'd, I personally would like to see a lot more of them especially like the Texas and the Californias and stuff like that and um yeah so I mean hopefully they can do that in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. All right, I think we talked enough about scheduling, so we're going to move on to uh, transfers. Um, this is some interesting news for the transfers. It's it's more of a team-based stuff for right now, and then we'll get into, like, individual transfers uh, in a sec. Um, UAB, Fresno State, and Cal State Northbridge all lead D1 schools with seven transfers total. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, UAB, I'm surprised, like – you just got Andy Kennedy as your coach, who is a good coach. He's taken Power 5 schools to the Sweet 16. Why would you want to transfer out of UAB when you have a proven coach like that? Um, uh, yeah, uh, Fresno State, I don't know much about them. I know they're a good Mountain West team, always competing there. Um, this is not really a surprise to me. Um, Mountain West is – Mountain West. <laughs> I can't really explain it. Yeah. Cal State Northridge. Um, their coach is I forgot his name. I know his last name, Garfred. Um, he used to coach NC State, but got in that little Dennis Smith trouble, the paying Dennis Smith Jr. And um, he's he's done a terrific job developing low-level guys at Cal State Northridge. And I know that those guys are skilled enough to play high majors with his development skills. Yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of these, a lot of these like uh, people are at low major schools, and I think they think that they can make the jump to a higher major team, not like the highest, but like maybe like a mid major. And um, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of surprised for the UAB, like you said. I mean, Andy Kennedy coming in, he's a he's a very good coach, and UAB, like thankfully they're getting people coming in, but. Right now, I think they have more people coming out than coming in, so it's kind of surprising. Um, Fresno State, I was kind of surprised about as well because they were – I believe they were a top-four team in the Mountain West last year, and I'm kind of surprised why they're changing things up because it just doesn't really make any sense to me. And Cal State Northbridge, I mean, like you said, they have the coach, and, I mean, he's a very good coach. He coached at NC State, like you said, but – um. Yeah, I mean, I think people just want more competition. And right now, I don't think these three, three, these three teams have as high competition as these players want. Yeah. Um, let's start off with the first transfer, Marcus Odizi of Wichita State. He has decided to stay at Wichita State. Um, he's a solid rotation player with tons of potential, two years left. His final five before deciding to stay were Arizona State, Seton Hall, Minnesota, Butler, and Xavier. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm very surprised by this decision. I mean, no surprise. Which trust it's not really the place to be under Greg Marshall. And um, I really thought he was going to transfer. I mean, 
a lot of those teams are very good teams. I mean, Arizona State, very good team. Seton Hall, a good and upcoming team. Minnesota, like, same thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised. I mean, he could have had a lot. I mean, he could, he's a solid rotation player, don't get me wrong, and he could have provided these teams with a lot more impact than he probably will back at Wichita State. But, I mean, I guess he thinks he might have a better role now that a lot of people are leaving. That, that's my only thought about that. Yeah, like you said, I think he's staying at Wichita State because everyone left. There's no one left to play. And so because of that, I think he's going to play a lot, especially with Jamie Entronike, their, uh, their starting center, um, graduating. He, he's definitely going to fill in. And I'm, I'm hoping to see Wichita State be as good as they were last year. Yeah, and uh, I hope so. I mean, as long as he doesn't make any mistakes, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we have Landers Nolly from Virginia Tech. Um, last last episode, he made his list between Memphis, uh, Ole Miss, and Georgia, and he decided to commit to Memphis. Um, this is a good get for the Tigers. Um, he averaged 15 and a half points a game last year. He's a very good scorer. Um, uh, depending on the NCAA rule, um, he might have to sit one, but he has at least two years left, and there's a possibility he could have three years as well. Uh, do you think this is the right decision? Um, I don't know if this is a good decision. I think he was better off staying home at Georgia or going to Ole Miss. Um, I'm not really a big fan of this, this this decision. What about you? No, I agree. I mean, I thought I thought he was going to go back home to Georgia as well, considering Anthony Edwards left, and he could have been the pr- top priority on that team. But – I mean, Ole Miss, they're getting a lot of transfers as well. But, um, I mean, Memphis has some talent still. I mean, obviously they lost James Wiseman. They might lose Precious Onunka, uh to the draft. But they still have a couple other people um, staying. And I guess he just found a better fit with them. And he thinks Memphis is probably the best team to try and get into the tournament. And, I mean, I guess this is the right decision for him. But I just thought he was going to go to Georgia or Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, next recruit and transfer, Marcus Santos Silva of VCU. Um, the, he just entered his name on the portal last um, yesterday, and he also has his name in the NBA draft. Um, there's no int on where he's playing to go yet. Average 13 points a game, nine rebounds. He's a very productive big man for VCU. Um, he is, with his addition into the portal, he is one of the top prospects in the portal. Kentucky commit Terrence Clark, who raised up in Boston close to Santos Silva, has reportedly tried to recruit him to Kentucky. Thoughts on where he should go? Um, I mean, Kentucky is definitely a good place for him, but I don't, I don't see him going there. Um, I think you'll probably try and make the jump up to a higher major. I'm thinking maybe Big East is probably the best place for him. Um, I'm not sure what team exactly, but I just feel like he could definitely – play a good role into the Big East teams because a lot of their big men have left. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's a very good, skilled big man. And he's a little bit undersized. Uh, he's only 6'7 as a big man, which isn't, like, isn't that big compared to the other ones. But, um, yeah, I mean, anywhere but Kentucky, I hope, man, I'll be okay with it. Um, Jim Christian got to go get him, man. He got to come home. I want, him, I want to see him in BC. I want to see him in a BC uniform so badly. Yeah, he's 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 close, like we said, and that'd be that'd be very nice for BC fans. Yeah. All right. Um. Next up, uh, Chris Hearn Jr. He is also a BC player, but he's going out. 
He is uh, committed to San Diego. Uh, he played a very limited role for Boston College last year. He's a very good shooter, but he just he just didn't have the minutes to show that he was a very good player, and his role was definitely limited. Um, think this is the right decision for him. Yeah. Um, the backcourt of BC is only getting better and better, and Chris Harris Jr. is going to get lower and lower in the depth chart. And um, this is a very good opportunity for him playing in San Diego. They're one of the uh, lower teams in the WCC, and I think he's going to show everyone that he is a Division One player. Yeah. I mean, San Diego State was the eight seed last year in the conference tournament, and um, they are getting a couple other transfers coming in, and they can definitely make a good run and hopefully make the jump up next year. And I think Chris Sharon Jr., I think he probably will start. And worst case, he's a sixth, seventh man. But, um, yeah, I think San Diego is a very talented team coming in next year. Mm-hmm. Um, next transfer, Evan Cole of Georgia Tech. He committed to Utah Valley over BYU, Ohio State, Cincy, BC, URI, and a lot of others. He's a solid role player for the past three years with Georgia Tech. Will Utah Valley finally dethrone New Mexico State in the WAC? Um, I don't I don't think so right yet, considering New Mexico State is still a very good team. But um, Utah Valley is an interesting decision, in my opinion, for Evan Cole. I mean, he had a lot of different high majors, and he chose Utah Valley, which is a mid-major. And, um, I mean, he, I guess he might have saw them come close with Kentucky last year, which is why he might wanted to pick them. But, um, yeah, I, just, I don't think they have the firepower to hang with New Mexico State right now. Mm. Um, Evan Cole was actually one of my favorite players in the portal. 6'11", can guard one through five, do everything on offense. Um, I watched him a little. I watched a little of him at his, um, his Georgia Tech highlights, and he looked really good. Um, just was just stuck behind on the bench. Um, yeah, uh, Utah State's very interesting when you have Ohio State and BYU, BC. Um, I don't think Utah Valley – Will dethrone New Mexico State? No, no one will anytime soon. I don't. I don't. I agree. I don't think anyone will anytime soon. All right. Um. Next up, Matt Harms. We've talked about him a lot, but he is still in the transfer portal as of right now. Um. He has made a final three list though, which is Kentucky, BYU, and Texas Tech. Uh, sadly, BC has been cut from his list, and we are very sad to hear this news. Um. He is a seven-three center. He can shoot the ball. He's a, he's a stretch big. Um, what do you think the best hit for him is? Um, Kentucky. If he wants a ring and a lot of minutes, he got to go to Kentucky. Um, all these, all three of them will offer him a lot of minutes. But Kentucky will offer him a ring. The best chance yeah. at a ring, sorry. The best chance at a ring. I, I do agree with this. I mean, they've lost, they've lost so many big men to the draft this year. And I think Kentucky's the leading team with people going to the draft. And um, Matt Harms will definitely start for Kentucky next year. No surprise about that. I mean, he might wait for what Santo Silva does, but because I don't think both of them will commit to Kentucky, so he might want to wait and see. But I feel like Kentucky's the best foot for him, and maybe Texas Tech if things don't work out at Kentucky. But I mean, like you said, if he wants the best chance at a ring, I'd I'd go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, next transfer. Tyler Harris, Memphis, freshman year, started 15 games, broke Memphis's three-point made record for freshman in, in the season. Um, averaged 11 points 
freshman year. Um, this year, only average nine due to increased talent on Memphis. Um, no update on what his list may be. Where do you think he'll be going? Um, I think he, try, he might try and make the jump to a Power Five conference. Um, I think Big East probably, like for him as well. Um, he's a very talented guard, and his talent was definitely wasted last year, considering Memphis's guard play increased a ton for the incoming prospects of the 2019 class. And, um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him going to the Big East, but I could also see him going to the ACC. But I definitely see him trying to make the jump to a Power Five conference. Yeah, he. I think he definitely showed that he is a Power Five player. He's definitely a good 3 and D guy, and he'll help any Power Five team. I think his talent was definitely wasted last year, and um, it just kind of kind of disappointing to see. I mean, he broke the three-point record made his freshman season, and then he didn't get a chance to, like, do it again because of all the talent that came in. Yeah. So it's kind of disappointing to see. All right. Um, next up, we have Darius Perry, Louisville. Uh, he's committed to UCF over UNC and, and Georgia. Uh, he had five points a game last year, 2.5 assists. He was a backup point guard for Louisville last year. He's a solid bench player, and the past three years, he just wanted a bigger role. And do you think he'll get his bigger role at UCF? Yeah. Um, he was originally recruited by Rick Pitino, and Rick Pitino likes to run the ball, get the ball up, and transition, play fast. Um, UCF also likes to – do the exact same things. So I think this is a good fit. Um, just didn't really have a good opportunity playing with Chris Mack and his system. Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely start at UCF. UCF last year, they finished eighth in the American, which is pretty much towards the bottom. And um, the year before that, they were in the tournament. So um, I think he's going to try and help UCF get back to the tournament in a very wide open American conference right now. Mm-hmm. Um, next transfer, Ray Saunav of Monmouth, second team all MAAC, um, just landed on the transfer portal an hour ago, 14 and a half points, uh, three assists. Where do you think he will land? Um, I, I think he would also try to make the jump to a, a high major. I mean, Monmouth doesn't have that much good competition, so I think he'll try and make the jump, but... I think he'll definitely be a bench player if he tries to make this jump, but I think he'll still get some playing time, in my opinion. Um, I think ACC is probably the right decision for him right now, probably like a lower ACC team like Wake Forest or Virginia Tech. But, um, I mean, there's no, there's no like, sign of where he's, like, planning on going right now, but he'll definitely bring a good shooting presence to a team or, for like, a high major team. Yeah, I totally agree with you Um a low ACC team or a low Big East team would be perfect. Um, there's a lot of MAAC guys making the jump to a high major team, like Dementio Vaughn, Frederick Scott, Rich Kelly. Um, th there's going to be more soon with him. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what his list is and where, where he goes. I mean, BC is always an option. <laughs> just just saying, Ray, if you're watching. But, um, Yeah. Moving on to NBA prospects, um, most of these guys are maintaining their eligibility, but some have decided to declare for the draft. Um, and we'll start with Chris Vogt uh, out of Cincinnati. Uh, he is one of them that is maintaining his eligibility through this process, so he could go back to Cincinnati if he decides to take his name out of the draft. Um, he averaged 11 points a game last year, six rebounds a game his junior season. Uh, he is a 7-1 big man center. 
So uh, do you think he'll stay in the draft or do you think he'll come back for his senior year? Uh, I think he'll, he'll definitely come back for his senior year. Um, he's 7'1". He's a little too skinny. He needs to gain a little more weight and muscle. Um, so, yeah, I think this is just getting feedback and coming back. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I don't think he's ready just yet. And I think if he has another year at Cincinnati, I think he'll be – I think he'll get a stock up, first of all. And I think he'll be much – better player and he'll be more rounded. I mean, a 7-1 center getting six rebounds a game is not very ideal, uh, especially if you're playing the American Conference. Um, I think his, if he gets his rebound numbers up and scoring, I think he could be a very good player next year. And, I mean, he, his role is definitely limited with Jaron Gumberland playing, but since he's gone, I think Thor opens up for him next year. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Jared Butler of Baylor. He's declaring for the draft. I'll maintain his eligibility. All Big 12 guards, 16 points, three rebounds, three assists his sophomore season. Um, will he be able to increase in stock or is it time to leave? Um, I personally think it's time to leave for him. Uh, he had a very good year last year. Uh, he was all Big 12 uh, first team honors. Um, I mean, I just think he did enough last uh, this year to get his stock up. And he led Baylor to a top f- uh, five team in the nation. and. Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely get drafted. So I think he should uh, go. Yeah, I think he should go too. This is probably the highest his stock will ever be. Um, I, I don't want him to hurt it. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, we have Kira Lewis Jr. Alabama. Uh, he will not maintain his eligibility next year. He's planning on hiring an agent. Uh, he was All SEC Team honors. Uh, he had eighteen and a half points a game last year and five assists. Uh, think this is the right call or you think he should have stayed another year? Um, yeah, I think this is the right call. Um, I believe he's a freshman. Um, he's a pretty young freshman too, I think 18 or 19 years old. And yeah, he, he was a pretty good freshman and he's still young. So he has a lot of potential left and yeah, this is, this is the right decision for him. Yeah. Uh, he recently just turned 19 actually. And, um, right now he's a, he's projected a first round pick. Definitely. Um, probably towards the late end of that, but still, he's still a first-round pick. And, I mean, he definitely has a ton of potential. I mean, averaging 18.5 points a game your freshman year in the SEC conference is pretty impressive. And I think this probably was the right call. But, I mean, I would have liked to see him stay another year at Alabama, considering how good they're going to be next year. But um, I think personally for him, it was the right call. Mm-hmm. Nick. Isaiah Joe of Arkansas, he's declaring for the draft while maintaining his eligibility. 17 points, four rebounds this past season. He's a bit of a three-point specialist. Um, over two seasons at Arkansas, he's attempted nine threes a game, and he shot 37%. Um, do you think he should stay or leave? Um, I think he probably should leave. I mean, he's had a very good career at Arkansas. And, I mean, he's a very good scorer in the SEC, just like Kira Lewis is. And, um. I mean, like you said, he's a very good three-point shooter, and I think I think his stock is high enough to go to the draft, but I could also see him coming back. I think it's kind of 50-50 right now on what he's going to do. Yeah, um, when you see nine attempts per game and you shoot 37% of those nine attempts, that's pretty good, especially how high that volume is. Um, definitely the Rockets are going to draft him or sign him or somehow get him because – if you shoot nine attempts, 37%, that's Houston Rockets basketball right there. That's definitely Houston Rockets basketball. And uh, 
he might be the next Eric Gordon to come in, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, um, next up we have Steph Smith out of Vermont. Yeah, he's not he's not very well known, but he's still a very good uh, college player trying to make the jump. Uh, he will declare. Uh, sorry, he will maintain his eligibility throughout this process. Um, he was All American East team honors. Uh, he had 14 points a game last year, and he led the America East in three point uh, percentage. Uh, do you think he should stay for one more year, or do you think it's time to declare for him? Uh, I think he should stay for a senior year or transfer to a high major to show that he can really play. Um, being a second option in Vermont's not really the best thing you could be, especially behind Anthony Lamb, who's probably going to be drafted in the second round. Uh, so I think he should stay or transfer. Yeah. Uh, sorry. What was yeah. you saying? I think he should uh, stay in Vermont or transfer to a high major. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Anthony Lamb did the same thing uh, a couple of years ago. He put his name in the test to the waters and stuff like that. And then he eventually came back to Vermont and finished out his senior year. And I think Steph Smith is probably going to do the same thing as that. And next year he can, he can be the leading scorer and leading option for that team, like you said. And I think if he leads Vermont to the tournament, then I think he will get a lot more uh, stock and value for him. And I mean, I don't see him going in the first round, probably not. Um, but I, if he does everything right, I could see him in the 2021 draft uh, going in the second round. Mm -hmm. um, next prospect, we have Dijon Jereal of Houston. Declaring for the draft while maintaining his eligibility. He averaged nine points, four rebounds, four assists his junior season. Should he declare for the draft, or do you think he'd get his stock up high playing his senior year? Um, I think he should probably play his senior year. Um, his stock's not very high, in my opinion, right now. And depending on how everything else uh, pans out for the rest of the Houston uh, players, I think he could probably get his role increased. Um, I know one person already declared for the draft on Houston. Uh, I'm not, I don't remember his name right now. But, um, I mean, there's a lot more people on the boat right now, especially Quentin Grimes, who's probably their best player. And, um, I think it kind of just depends on what happens, but I don't think he should declare for the draft for just yet. Yeah, um, he was the fourth guard on Houston last year uh, behind Quentin Grimes, Caleb Mills, and um, Marcus Sasser. And if one of them leave, he's definitely going to take that starting role, and I hope he makes the most out of it next year. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, we have C.J. Ellaby uh, out of Washington State. Uh, he is declaring for the draft while maintaining his eligibility as well. Uh, he was all Pac-12 team honors sophomore year, uh, averaged um, averaged 18 points a game and eight rebounds a game. Uh, do you think he should declare for the draft or do you think he should compete another year in the heavy Pac-12? Um, I think he should stay, put his name in the draft. Uh, this is a very tough decision, but I think when you're playing at Washington State, I think this is the, as high as his stock will go. And even though if even if he gets undrafted this year, um, Teams will definitely call him, um, and he was I think he's going to definitely get a two-way contract if he goes undrafted. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's kind of on the line right now of late second round to being undrafted. And I, like you said, I don't think his stock's going to get very much higher considering how good the Pac-12 is going to be next year. Um, he's, a, he's a very good uh, player. He's a very good defensive player. Um, and, I mean – I mean, like you said, he probably would get a two-way contract, but um, I don't know. 
it's kind of like 50-50 in my opinion. I think if he – I don't think he'll get a stock up, but I think he probably should stay considering he might not get drafted this year and wait another year. But I don't, I don't really know what's the best option for him. Next, Elijah Hughes. He will sign an agent and remain in the NBA draft. 19 points, five rebounds, three and a half assists for Syracuse this year. Most mock drafts, almost every mock draft has him in the mid-second round. Do you think that's a good spot for him to land? Um, yeah, I think this is a very good spot for him. Uh, I could also see him moving up to maybe the early first round as well, depending on how everything lands out. Um, he's a very good scorer. I mean, 19 points a game. Uh, it's no question he was the top uh, person for Syracuse last year. And I think I think right now, like you said, I think he probably will be a mid-second round. But, I mean, I think he could also maybe move up and shock a lot of people. Yeah, um... He's a junior. He's a bit old for a junior, 22 years old. And uh, his efficiency-wise, he wasn't the best because he had a lot – he was the the guy for Syracuse. So his usage rate was a little high along with his efficiency. And I think a mid-second round pick is good for him. And maybe he will go to the second round – early second round like you said. But I think mid-second round, my opinion. Yeah. I think the only thing that will probably hurt him is his age, like you said – I mean, a 22-year-old 22, a 22 junior is pretty old. That's older than some of the people already in the NBA. And I think a lot of scouts uh, might see this and might pass up on him. But um, I think I think he's too good not to be drafted by a team. And, I mean, I, just, I think it's definitely second round, like you said, but I think that varies as of right now. Mm. All right, and next up, uh, we have Mark Vital from Baylor. Uh, he's decided to come back to Baylor, actually, after possibly putting his name into the draft. Um, he's one of the best defenders in college basketball and will hopefully try and be in contention for the, the Defensive Player of the Year next year. Um, with, with Baylor in contention for the Big 12, um, do you think that they will be back to where they were last year? Absolutely. If Jared Butler stays back as well, they're, they're gonna, I think they're going to be the team to beat in the Big 12. Um, he was my vote for to play, uh, defensive player of the year this year, and I expect him to be defensive player of the year next year. So, he, and he's the glue guy for Baylor, so it's definitely an important piece for them. Yeah, I mean, no question, he's the glue guy for Baylor, and I think it kind of depends on if Jared Butler stays or leaves. I think, I think if he leaves, Baylor will still be a good team, but I don't think they'll be the top dogs in the Big Twelve, but. If he decides to stay, I think they will be right back where they left off, and I think they will be the team to beat in the Big 12. And I think, like I said, I think it all depends on what Jared Beller decides to do. Yeah, um, that's all for today. Next episode, we will re- we will be redoing our top 25 and make some changes after most things have seemingly started to settle down. Um, thank you for watching. Yeah, thank you for watching. Hope everyone's safe, and it's always March, baby. Yeah, it's always March.